Well, come on, let's turn our Bible. I want you to open your Bible in Hebrews chapter 12. I know there's a bit of a break, but I started a series. I want to continue it. And I particularly wanted to start the series so that you understand that with Andy and Janine coming here and doing the seminar, what they're going to do, uh, it's not just uh, they're coming to do something. It's something God is wanting to do in the church, is to help each of us in this area. So I started a, a, a series called Desires, Dreams, and Destinies. I've done one on it. And uh, for those who haven't been here, we'll pick it up and uh, just touch a couple of basics on it. And uh, then I want to look on today. I want to just share today on destiny hurdles. Um, uh, can, is the sound okay out there? Sounds quite boomy. Does it sound all right at the back? Okay then. All right. Then, well, I can handle it. All right. Let's read in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to speak today on destiny hurdles. Uh, I could have talked blocks to destiny or challenges to destiny. I, I thought destiny hurdles, and you see why. Let's have a look at this verse here. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy the desire, the dream, the destiny set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pick up the thought there. Let us run with race, or run the race with endurance that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord. So your life and my life is likened to a race, a long-distance race. Some are maybe shorter than others. People like Bill, it's been over 90 years, but the real race only began about 65 when he got saved. But there was a race through his life, and uh, there's a race for all of us. All of us, we saw last week that God, before we were actually conceived in the womb, already had a destiny, a plan for our life. We share with you many scriptures that are very clear before you arrived. And no matter how or why or what the circumstances of you getting here, God already had a destiny planned for you. It was worked out. And we saw, but we're going to go to this verse again uh, in Ephesians 3.20, that God has things for us to do. So our life then is like a marathon race. Here's the thing about the marathon race. Only you can run your race. I wish I could run your race for you, but I cannot. You have to run the race that God has set before you. This is your life, and you only have one of it. This is your destiny. This is your life that you're running right now. And as you place value on your life and value on the time that you have, you'll start to consider more carefully, I wonder why I'm here and what I'm really called to do with my life. No one wants to die with an empty life or a life that's uh, been unfulfilled in some kind of way. So it's like a marathon race. Now, the thing is that in that marathon, I kind of was thinking about a hurdle race. And I was thinking, you know, have you ever seen anyone, oh, the, the racers running a hurdle race? And there it is, you've got this big track. Usually it's a long race, quite a long distance they've got to run. But as they run around it, every now and then, you'll come across a hurdle. And this hurdle's been set up. And here's the thing. If you don't jump the hurdle, you won't complete your race. And so it's quite a funny thing to watch. They're running there and suddenly, ah, and they're straight up and over the top, and then they run blah, 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 up over the other one. And, and you watch it. It's quite hilarious to watch it. And I, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, uh, what happens if you don't clear the hurdle? You go pa flat on your face. And so I began thinking about our life 
and our destiny being like a race which has got hurdles on the way. So rather than look at all the blocks to our destiny, I want us just to consider the hurdles you must jump if you're going to run your course. And the goal of running your course is that you run and finish it well. Saul in the Old Testament came to the end of his life and he said, I have played the fool. And, and he realized that he'd made serious mistakes and gone right off course. And uh, Paul, at the end of his race, and 2 Timothy, said, I have, I have uh, run my course, or I've finished my race. I fought my fight. And now there's a crown laid up for me. So you notice that Paul had an eternal perspective. He was thinking not just of the things that happen in this life, but he's thinking things happen in this life have a bearing on eternity. And so running your race well, fighting your fight to win, is crucial for your destiny to be fulfilled. I can't run your race, and I can't fight your fights. It's your race to run. These are your fights to fight. All we can do is help. So I want to identify today some of the destiny hurdles, some of the things that will present themselves. And I started to look around, start to research, and and I thought what I'll do is I'll write down what I have observed over many years of ministry that I have seen people who started well fall because they failed to jump these specific hurdles. And uh, I hope it'll be helpful for you. Uh, It'll be quite very, quite practical. And uh, so let's go into Ephesians uh, 3 and verse 10. I want to just pick up a little bit about Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. And uh, I know Janine and Andy will develop these a lot further, but I want to just go back there into the whole connection between your desires and your destiny, because this is an area of great confusion. Last week, or last time we talked about understanding that although God uh, actually is uh, the King of kings, Lord of lords, although Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, although he actually sovereignly rules over everything, he calls upon us to engage with him proactively. So if you get a concept that God is in charge, God is in control, you tend to slump to passivity. Well, whatever happened, I guess God meant it. And, you know, my, my grandmother used to say some of this, well, it was meant to be, which is a fatalistic, passive, uh, lacking faith response to life. A lot of things, it's not meant to be. It's just this is what happens in life. How are you going to respond to what happens in life? So in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, we saw uh, it's uh, Ephesians 3 verse 10, sorry. Uh, na- uh, <clears throat> 2 verse 10, sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Here it is, 2 verse 10, and I know the verse, and it says that we are his workmanships. I've got it now, I'll just quote it. We are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ under good works that we, that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So we see there that you are a unique creation. We looked at this last week, how you are a unique creation. How, how are you unique? Well, your, your DNA, for one. Your, your, the genes, the, the, the genetic design and code that makes you up is absolutely unique. Your fingerprints are unique. Uh, your voice print is unique. Your eyeballs are unique. They can identify you by any one of those things. So you are absolutely unique. There is not a copy of you. When God made you, he said, I won't do that again. I'll just break the mold. I'll make something different. So you're absolutely unique. But there's other ways you're unique too. You you and I are unique in that God has designed something only we can accomplish. No one else can accomplish it because no one has the sphere of influence that you have. You have your network of friends, connections, contacts, where you live in the community, where you work, all those kind of things. 
you have a unique call of God into that area or region to do something. No one can fulfill it for you. I can't fulfill it for you. This is something God placed you in that job, placed you in that community, placed you in this area. He placed you, and because within that placement lies something He wants you to accomplish. And it's always to do with things He's wired into you, and it's always to do with representing Him and advancing His kingdom. So notice we are His workmanship. He is working on our lives to shift, change, and enable us to be Christ-like. So love flows out of our heart. We're actually loving people and nice people. and People like to be with you because you've developed a nice nature walking with God. But it says also his plan works for us to accomplish. Only we can do them. So the first thing then to realize is God has created a unique destiny. And notice it says these works that we would walk in them. That implies this. You are responsible to be proactive in walking with God and discovering what you're called to do. It's a walk. It's a way of living. When we use the word walk, we're talking about getting somewhere, going on a journey. So let me just say this again. It is your responsibility to discover how to walk with God and what God has uniquely called you to accomplish. I wish I could help you discover it. I can give insights. We can get prophetic ideas and directions. But ultimately, it's your responsibility to discover what God called you to do. Why did he place you in that school, in that class with those people? Well, only God can help you answer that. And part of the key to that is hearing God. But part of it is discovering what he's put inside you already. Because I believe that you are already hardwired. That means God designed you so that you would naturally gravitate to what you're called to. Eh? Well, how does he do that? Well, he puts in you desires. How many got desires? Things you really, oh, I'd love to do that. I would just love to do that. But we've all got them. See? I've uh, got dreams. Oh, man, I'm dreaming this. And so, so how many of you got passions? Things, when you do that, whoa, whoa, that's me. Come away, I'm energized, you know? And, of course, if you compare your, compassion with, your passion with someone else's, it'll be foolish because you've just got your passion. That's what, you, that's what God gave you. He didn't give it to anyone else. So if they don't get fired up about your passion, don't worry. You may be passionate about making magnificent cakes. And you wonder why no one shares that passion. It's because it was given to you. You've just got to decide why God gave you that passion and how to use it to represent him, show the loving nature of God, and to fulfill your destiny. Maybe you make a, have a cake shop, make the best cakes of all, and make a fortune selling cakes. Who knows? But that's the part you've got to discover. What God puts in you is the passion. And when you start to flow in what you're passionate about, you energize. You just come alive. People say, how can you do that for so long? Oh, it's easy because as I do it, I come alive. See? Now, unfortunately, I can't tell you what makes you come alive. You've got to find that out. It's part of your responsibility in life. See, the family, your family and God's family can help you, but you've got to discover it. And when you discover it, then that is what you were called to do. Do it mightily with all that's inside you and be enthusiastic. And everyone you get to talk to, talk about those magnificent cakes and how people would want those cakes, how lovely those cakes. Just be overindulgent with enthusiasm about what you're excited about. See, people love to see that. You talk with Colleen about art. Man, once you start talking art with Colleen, whoa, you can't believe what she's passionate about. She's passionate about art. I mean, I'm hopeless at art. I'm really, that's not what I'm gifted to do. 
But Colleen, I've watched her grow into it. Like that. See, so, so it's wired in. It's already hardwired in. Now, here's the thing. Is our future is open. In other words, God has not worked it all out. You've got to walk with him and discover how to journey this journey. And what you're going to find in a moment is it gives you a lot of freeway in it. Now, when people say, well, God told me to do this and God told me to do that, God told me that, I think, well, what the heck's wrong with you? Why don't you grow up? God doesn't need to tell you what to buy at the shops. This is ridiculous. Search the cupboards, make up your list, go to the shops. God doesn't want to be telling you to do little things. That's what you tell kids to do. Here's the list. There's a list. Go, don't do everything. And when they grow up, they can go check the cupboards, find what they need, make up their own list. They don't need God for that. God gives us room in our life to be responsible, be creative, and show initiative. In fact, what you'll see is that God expects you to show initiative. So God does not, God gives a huge amount of space. And here's the thing. Although God has a destiny and a plan for your life, actually you're the one who makes the choices as to whether you fulfill it or not. It's your choice. You choose. And you choose every day. So, okay, here's the second thing then. God wants to co-labor with us, not control us. God wants to co-labor. In Genesis 2 verse 19... You notice that God brought all the animals to, uh, God created the animals, brought them all to Adam, and he brought them to Adam to, to see, notice what the word says, to see what he would name them. Now, Adam had been given by God dominion over all the animals, so God made all the animals and brought them to him to say, to see, what are you going to do? Here they all are. Now, I've done my bit. I've made them. Now you name them because that's what you have dominion over. So you ascribe a name to them and you uh, represent them by that name. So you bring your creativity to this whole animal business. Lion, elephant, giraffe, and so on. So in other words, place your own creativity on what I've created and then we'll, that's how we work together. It's definitely a co-laboring. He didn't bring them all and says, Adam, I want you to sit down. I've got a lot of animals here, and I want you to listen up, and I want you to remember that is a giraffe. That is a lion. He didn't do that. He said, why don't you have a look at them and come up with creative ideas what they would be called. Calling something is to have dominion over it. Think about that. So within... Within the realm of God's destiny for you, there's this huge scope of creativity. God expects you to co-labor with him, not ignore him, nor wait to be told everything to do, but to be creative, to take initiative. Quite surprising, isn't it, really? Uh, okay, then. So, and, and, the word, and the word is, so God brought the animals to, uh, to see what he would name. That word see is this. So God brought all the animals to Adam. You know what it is? To see means to look on with great enjoyment. So God wanted to look on how Adam would participate in this process and what he would bring to the process of dealing with the animal kingdom. Now, if you think about your destiny, God brings to you the, or puts you in the place, puts you in the arena, puts you wherever in the family, in the, in the place he wants you to be. Now, he wants to see what you will bring to the table. What will you bring by way of initiative? If you have an area of ministry, if you wait to be told everything to be done, then you're not showing initiative. God wants you to bring your creativity, your initiative to what you do. 
Okay, so there's another example found in, in the book of Mark. The end of the cha- last uh, verse of Mark, uh, there's the Great Commission. The Great Commission, we know, go into all the earth, preach the gospel, make disciples, and that these signs shall follow them that believe. Notice believing. Now, at the last part of that, the very last verse, it says this. And the Lord worked with them. Now, that's an interesting thing. That word means to co-labor or to work alongside in partnership with someone. So God set out, this is what I want you to do, reach the world. Now, come up with some initiatives. And my part will be to bring the supernatural bit in. Your part will be to get engaged with people and start up some initiatives. Well, I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. He would have told you what to do. Go, preach gospel. Well, it's not my ministry. We've really got a problem here because we're not actually understanding we're called to co-labor with God in this world to change it. You understand? It's a, it's a way of thinking. Okay then, so, so we see there, God worked with them. So God does the supernatural, but that's his bit. He, the creative bit's your bit. You've got to become creative and think how you can innovate. Do you take some time to drink? Now, how are you going to do that? Well, of course, it'll be your desires. I just love to do this. Well, maybe God is in that. So, in, if, if, for example, in Acts 7, verse 23, now we know the story of Moses, and your desires help guide you or position you in the path of your destiny. That's why they're so important. Your desires are really important, more important. Now, we can have some bad desires, but they're usually pretty obvious. Uh, the, but there are other desires which are either neutral, and they just have some fun in life. I'd like to go some skiing. Great, go skiing. You'll be much better afterwards. I'd love to do some jet skiing. Oh, I love it. Do it. Just do it. What's stopping you? Well, I might fall off the boat. You know, all that kind of stuff. Just go out and do it. Don't, don't, don't live such a, a, a dull life that you do nothing that really challenges you. Joy and I got on a jet ski. We went round the bays. We traveled kilometers on the jet ski, mostly at full wrap. She was on the back. I was on the front, and we were screaming. It was great. I want to do it as soon as I can again. I love it. So there are some, now they're kind of, they don't, do they advance the kingdom? No, but they're having fun with God. They decide they're quite all right. Well, don't be so spiritual and religious, you can't just enjoy life. Go out and enjoy life and have some fun, you know? And, and see, a lot of Christians are so boring because they don't actually, they've got things they'd like to do, but they're too timid to actually get out and do them or even identify what they are. Right? But you know, life, life is for living. Can Jesus come to give us abundant life? So there's some things you'd love to do. Well, don't die without doing them. I just wish I'd done that. Well, that's foolish. Why didn't you? Oh, I don't know. So I'm sure Andy and, and Janine will help you pull some of those things out. So notice here in Acts 7.23, now when Moses was 40 years old, notice the statement, it came into his heart to visit his brethren. He wanted to visit Israel. It came, notice where it came. It didn't say, God told him. It just got in his heart. Something there was inside, I'd really like to go down. And we've got to remember, he's living in a palace. He's trained as a soldier. He's trained in leadership. He's trained in communication. And one day he's got this little desire in his heart, I'd like to go down and visit these slaves and see how the slaves are doing. Where did that come from? It was in his heart. 
wires in his heart. It's part of the wiring that God put in him to lead him inevitably to what God had planned for him. So if you ignore the little promptings, the little desires, the little things of your heart, how can you ever discover who you are, what you're uniquely called to be? You can't ignore the little things inside you. Here's the thing, in the kingdom of heaven, everything begins as a seed. Everything is little. A little desire, a little urging, a little longing, a little this or that. If you just bury it and, squ and squish the thing down, how can you ever discover what you uniquely are, what you call to contribute to life? You're, you're loaded with all kinds of stuff, and the world is here, and you're to bring forth all of you. Now, of course, you need a little bit of modifying on the way, because I think it would be a bit selfish in it. But on the other hand, you notice this. See, your desires, your passions, your gifts are all a part of who you are and part of the destiny God has for you. There's only one of you, so don't hide it all. Discover it all. Develop it all and deploy it all. So you've got to think about that. So if you don't, you'll be waiting like a slave to be told by God what to do next. And he doesn't want to operate that way. He wants to operate as a father, not as a slave master. So you've got to come to the table with yourself. That's what intimacy with God really is about. You can bring you and your stuff to the table with God. Okay? So notice in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, how about that? He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, but the first condition is delighting yourself in the Lord. And that delight means to be pliable, to be soft, to be yielded. In other words, have a relationship with God where you're sensitive and open to him. You're walking with God. Uh, to be yielded or pliable means you're walking in a relationship with God. And what happens as you walk with God, you begin to find out who you really are, what you really desire. You get those desires out. You have to identify them. And the Bible says God's okay about giving you desires of your heart. If you don't think God can give you desires of your heart or wants to give you desires of your heart, then you better scrub the verse out. And a whole lot of other verses with it, like Mark eleven twenty three, when you stand praying, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Better scratch that one out too. Make it something like this. Whatsoever, when you stand praying, whatsoever things you've discovered is totally the will of God for you and the sovereign will of God for you, pray for those things and you get them. You know, she talks about our desires. Our, we are very important to God. So what our desires and our passions, sometimes I prayed some of the things, oh, I'd really like that, Lord. And just like that, without me even verbalizing it, God just brought it and happened. I really love that. I really like that, Lord. I just thought it. Other things, oh, it didn't come. You know, and that, I, that always frustrates me. But however, I have learned that there are, the simple little prayers I pray sometimes, and God will just, he'll just do it because he likes to do it. He likes to make you happy. Likes to likes to enjoy us. Now notice this. God, here's the thing about our desires. You do have to own your own desires and longings and then walk them through in relationship with God. It, it's interesting in Philippians 2.13 it says, now God is at work in you or energizing you. Notice this. To, to will and to do of the things that really please him. That first word, will, means to desire and to decide or determine or long in your heart for. So God is already at work in you in the area of your desires and longings to bring them to align with the things that he's really happy with. As you walk with God, you should expect more and more of the things you desire have really got some significance to them, have got some value to them, and that actually God is working in you to bring these desires up. 
Otherwise, you bury all the desires. You just grow weary of walking with God. You actually end up rejecting God and becoming fallen away from God and not passionate about Him. Why? Because you've had to lay down all your desires so all His desires could be done. That's not a really good deal. It's a slave mentality. Get the idea? Okay, well, you're all quiet, so I know that. Now, here's the thing. God raises our thinking. Now, here's in Isaiah 55 and verse 13, 8 to 9. It says this. Now, he says, as the heavens is higher than the earth. Is the heaven high? Yeah, yeah, yeah. High, high. Okay. So are my ways and your ways, and also my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, here's the thing. Notice that God's saying is his ideas and his scope of thinking. Let's put it like this. My perspective is really much higher than yours. That's why you've got to be expanded in your thinking because you're not going to think high enough and you're not going to think big enough. So if I just leave you to yourself, you won't think big enough. Let me just show you now, show you how they're connected. I'll give you a few examples I just uh, felt come to mind. First of all, when Moses went down to Israel, he saw a guy beating up one of the slaves. His desire was to deliver the man. God's desire was to deliver a nation. He was impulsive and he was not prepared to deliver a nation and so he really blew it on the first one. But nevertheless, God still had his plan and never forsook him, got him there in the end. Uh, Hannah, think of Hannah. Hannah desired a son. She really wept, she really cried, she really went all through the sweat about not having a child. God wanted a prophet for a nation. And as soon as her desire and his lined up, she got the son, actually she got heaps of sons, and she got the prophet, and God got the prophet to the nation. That's how you co-labor with God. God has got something he wants to accomplish through you. It's connected to your desires. But his perspective is a lot bigger. That's why you always want to connect with him. You've got a bigger perspective, not destroy the desire, but give you a bigger scope of realizing it. Uh, think about Peter. Peter really had a desire to catch fish. Peter, he loved catching fish. He went out, he had a business fishing in the end. God wanted him to catch men. So Peter wanted to catch fish. God wanted someone to catch people. So he took the man who caught fish and raised him with a bigger vision. Oh, man, fish, fish. You might not come buy fish in the market. People, that's eternal. This is big stuff. Peter's thinking, I'd love to just feed my family and make a bit of profit here and do up the house and add some things on and get a nice chariot. God's thinking, man, I want to change your world. And you see how God took the desire, just lifts it to another level. Here's, here's another one then. You think about David. David desired to be a shepherd. So he wanted to shepherd sheep, just walk with God and shepherd sheep. But God's desire was for a shepherd for a nation. So God, so God took this guy, he's training as a shepherd, and has raised the level of his shepherding up. Oh, I never thought of that, did you? My ways are higher than your ways. Eh? And I'll give you one, uh, yeah, that'll do. Oh, here's another one, Abraham. Think about Abraham. Abraham desperately wanted a son and an heir. He wanted someone who could inherit all he got. God wanted a whole nation who could inherit. So how does it get together? Well, God just eventually works with Abraham, and then Abraham's desire and God's desire gets connected together. Next thing you know, Abraham's got his desire, and God's got his desire. Abraham gets Isaac after, after messing around with uh, Ishmael, but God gets a whole nation to inherit the nations of the earth. So, so I see it that God's perspective is higher than ours, but he doesn't ignore ours. He takes into account our desire, and out of intimacy with him, it comes up in many instances to something far greater than we would ever have thought of. See, I, I remember talking with one lady, and uh, 
and she she liked knitting and making. She liked making up these little, uh, you know, these beanie things. And then she ended up making heaps of these beanies for people who were orphans over in another nation. So God's plan was to provide for the orphans by providing warmth and covering. Her plan was to make some beanies, and God got the two linked together, and next thing you know, she's passionate, and she's doing something that actually is a wonderful thing in the kingdom of God. Can you see how it works? But you've got to front up with what you are and who you are and what you've got going on inside you. So what are some of the things that would hinder you going forward in your destiny? I've come to the conclusion there's never one cause of success and there's never one cause of failure. There's heaps of them. So let me just list for a few of them. Um, uh, I'll just list them out here. I won't go into a lot of them, but these, these are some of the, what I call the destiny hurdles. That when you come to one, you have to jump it or you'll fall on your face. It's as simple as that. So here we go. Here, I'll just give them a few of them. They're not so in order of importance, but they are, are they definitely things I have observed over years that have stumbled people I know. Okay? Just go through them one after the other. And they're not a list of do's and don'ts. They're just the things that I would say, this is a hurdle. When you come to have to face this hurdle, see it is something to jump over. It's not a big deal. It's just something you have to make the decision to elevate and move over that, not pretend it's not there, or take another course. You have to do this. Get the idea? Okay then, so don't react as we give you some of these. Number one, you must take full responsibility for your life. <gasps> no, I just wanted to put it all in God's hands and leave it all up to Him. Nope, it's your life. You've got to run it. And uh, sure, put it in the Lord's hands, but you've got to take full responsibility. What does that mean? You've got to own your desires. Own your passions, own your gifts, own your thoughts, they're your thoughts. Own your feelings, they're your feelings. Own your choices, they're your choices. I take full responsibility for my thoughts, feelings, choices, desires, how I come through in life. See, the problem I've noticed, many have a victim mentality. They don't take responses. So whenever anyone challenges them over how they're coming through in life or how they're behaving, it's poor me. You don't understand. It's not my fault. It's my father, my mother, it's my background. I'm Mary. I'm Cook Island. I'm Buckingham. I'm Irish. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's just a lot of... The first hurdle... If you won't take responsibility for your life, who is going to? Oh, I tell you, the devil's really, really there to gain access to your life. In every area, you won't take responsibility. So number one, you've got to own and take responsibility for your life. No one else is to blame. You are what you are. You are who you are. You are where you are because of choices you've made. Don't go blaming God. Don't go blaming the devil. Don't go blaming anyone or anything. Take full ownership. I'm here, and this is who I am, and I'm going to own it all, Then I can do something about it, okay? In Romans 14, 12, it says, we must all give account of our lives to the Lord. Okay, here's another one. You need to plan and set goals. I know some of you won't like that. But I know. Well, everywhere in life, success comes around by planning and being specific in your plans, knowing exactly what you want and having a plan to get there and some steps to get there. That's how life works. Why does it work that way? Even unsafe people know it works that way. And even if you haven't got them all written down, people who are successful have always got them anyway. The ones who are more successful usually write them all down. Ecclesiastes 5.3, a dream comes through much activity. And Proverbs 16.9, a, man, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So here's the thing. God, the man's heart plans. We have to plan our way. So if you're going to develop or go anywhere in life, 
plan your finances, plan your relationship, plan your career, plan your studies, plan, 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 come up with a plan, set some specific targets and goals in mind. Why? Because if you don't have them, you'll swerve off course and get distracted. So goal setting, planning is a hurdle to jump over. And if you fail to do it, you will waste the journey. You'll do a lot of things that actually never got you where you really needed to get. Here's another one. I told you these would be a bit practical. I'll get the spiritual one towards the end because I know you just need this more than the other. And here's one. Work hard. Oh, work hard. That's a good one, isn't it? A lot of people don't understand. Hard work. Proverbs 13 verse 4, the soul of the lazy man desires. I got all these desires and dreams, but nothing's there. But he has nothing. Why did he have nothing? He's too lazy. It requires work to get anywhere in life. Hard work. Hard work. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him. He refuses to work. Notice this. A lazy person is someone who won't put in the effort. They won't put in the hard yards to develop their life, have the discipline, do the study, lose weight, gain strength, whatever they need. They just won't put in the hard yards. Now, did God abandon them? No, God didn't abandon them. God still love them? No, God still love them. God just a bit disappointed. You could have done I mean, you're better than that. You had, I had much more for you. Why don't you rise up a bit more, do a bit more? Why don't you actually engage in this? Faith without works is dead. So true faith, true trust in God actually shows up by you doing something. And usually, from my experience over years of ministry, it's a lot of hard work. Hard work. Hard work. Here's another one. Persevere. Don't quit. Never quit. Don't quit. Hebrews 10, 38, it says, uh, sorry, Hebrews 10, 35 to 36 says, don't let go of your confidence. We have need of patience that after you've run your race you and done the will of God, then you get the promises. So one of the things I've learned in life is just don't be a quitter. Be a finisher. Whatever you start, finish it. The road to ruin is paved with people who never jump the hurdle of perseverance. Just wouldn't quit. I think, thank God for the grace, I never quit. I got real close to it many, many times, but just never quite did. Couldn't bring myself to quit. <laughs> Couldn't quite do it. <laughs> I wrote a resignation one time, but then God didn't answer it, so that meant I couldn't quit, you know. God called me in the ministry, and I resigned from it, and said, well, there it is, you know, but didn't do any good. Woke up the next day, and I'm still there, still the pastor. And uh, so he didn't listen at all. He knew, he knew I, I was capable of better things than that. See, don't, don't quit. Here's another, here's another thing now. There's another hurt. Now I'm going to get a bit more personal now. So here's this. You need to resolve personal issues from your past. You must resolve issues in your life. Over the years of all the things I have noticed that stumble people as they get to a point of pain in their life where there are some personal stuff to deal with and they quit. Listen, I don't care how much pain it, go, it takes or what it takes. If you've gone through abuse in your life, you've gone through some kind of issues in your life, unresolved pain and hurts and bitterness, they all have an impact. And here's what they do. They, bitterness will stop you building relationships where you trust. And as you'll see in a moment, those are the kind of things you need to succeed in your destiny. So bitterness will always keep you reserved, guarded, emotionally distant and safe in relationships. Uh, it defiles your relationships, in fact. So my observation over years, and Lynn would bear witness to this as well, as well as with joy, uh, over many, many years, watch many, many people, and I can tell you this, that the most common reason they did not succeed in life 
was because when God brought them to the point of facing a painful issue in their life, they actually ran from the pain rather than face it. They ran from the pressure to resolve it rather than actually come up with a plan or get some help to deal with it. So you need to do it. Now, I'll give you an example. Here's a woman, uh, David's wife, Michael, is a classic example. She was destined to be a queen, destined to rule with David over a nation and leave a legacy of children to the nation. Did she? Well, she got to the queen bit. But did she leave a legacy? No. Bitterness stole away all her marriage joy and love, and she remained barren. Queen, but barren. There, but no legacy. These are things to learn. They're in the Bible everywhere, but I'm just laying them out because these are things I've observed with people. Here's another thing that we need, another hurdle. You need to develop your core belief system. You need to develop your beliefs about yourself and about life. We all have beliefs. In fact, the Bible tells us, Proverbs 4, uh, 23 tells us that uh, out of our heart flows our life. So what's in your heart is what will really turn up in your life. What you believe about yourself, about various things in life, that will eventually be what you attract and what will outwork. I can tell you now. I've learned it. I've become to realize that I was attracting undesirable things into my life because what I believed about myself. For example, if you have been shut down, suppose you've been, uh, there's been a very, very bad, harsh, severe family situation, and you were, you were just always bossed over, dominated, pushed down, you will, in the pain of it, come to believe certain things about yourself. And I realized in my own background that some things that had happened to me had caused me to believe I am of no value. Now, you put that in a religious environment where you lay your life down for the Lord, and there came with it huge difficulties to connect with my desires and hopes and longings and yearnings. Why? Because they are of no value. So if you believe I am of no value, your desires won't be either, your dreams won't be either, your needs won't be either. Nothing about you will be of value, and you'll always put someone or something before. And it may look good in a religious or church setting, you're doing these wonderful things, but actually in God's eyes, he sees that there is a core belief driving you which is unhealthy. Now, I could give you many other core beliefs like that, but core beliefs like that will ultimately sabotage you coming into your destiny. Think about this. If I'm of no value, therefore my desires are of no value, so I'm waiting to be led. Or I'm doing what I should do. But the thing that would create the passion, the energy, and the fire, which is the desire, is not being explored and developed and grown. Think about that one. Think about that one. Okay. So we need to develop it. I can't give the details of this today, of course, but I'm just giving you the hurdles to jump. So one of the things that it will require of you to become that person God dreams of and wants you to become is you must shift your internal core beliefs to become that kind of person. I am a generous person. I am a valuable person. I don't let people devalue me. I am a loved person and I love people. I'm an accepted person and I can accept people, but I don't let people walk over me. Understand? So your internal life is incredibly important or you live by external duty and the law or what's expected by the crowd or the church culture. I'm really quiet today. 
feel a bit uncomfortable now. <laughs> That's all right. He'll give you the last couple. See, so the last two or three. Let me just give them to you now, and uh, one of them's going to hit you. Uh, another one is you need to develop your skills and talents. You must invest in yourself. If you're going to fulfill your destiny, you must pay the price of investing in yourself, whether it be by reading, by study, by going to a course, by getting teaching, whatever it takes, you are responsible to invest in yourself. No matter how talented you might be as a musician, if you don't develop your gift, you can't realize your full destiny. You have to do something to develop yourself. And uh, so that's an important one. Here's another one. Uh, develop supportive relationships. None of us can make it into our destiny without the help of other people. It's the sooner we realize that, the better. Hence why I need to resolve issues of the past that would stop me forming relationships where someone can speak into my life. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have a friend that can wound you in love and help you grow? See, if you've got that, then you're a, you are a blessed person. If you haven't got that, it's possibly because you have such walls of distrust and bitterness around your life, you don't trust anyone but yourself, you won't let anyone get that near to you, and you become defensive if they try and talk. I'm sorry, you just fell over a hurdle. The trouble is with these hurdles, no one sees them. You just fall and wonder why you're down and not getting anywhere. Here's the last two. Develop a devotion and delight in the Lord. Develop a deep relationship with God where you love him and delight in him and enjoy him and enjoy his word, the word of God. You can't just live off a buzz on a Sunday and some great meeting and experience of God. We've got to delight in his words and delight in him and build something around our life of that because my destiny ultimately will be very limited. If I just follow the dreams and desires of my heart, they'll get me so far, but they won't take me to the bigger perspective that only God could give. And here's the last one. You need to develop a kingdom worldview. Let me just do it very briefly. Uh, a kingdom worldview. A worldview is the way you look at life. Now, you've all got a way of looking at life. You just may not, not know what it is. And so to have a kingdom worldview is to understand that the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is advancing. We're called to advance the kingdom of God in the earth, and one day the kingdom will come in full manifestation. Now, many people in church have different viewpoint to that. Some of you may have come from a background of what I call the rapture teaching. We're waiting for Jesus to return. And there's many verses about us waiting eagerly for his return, expecting his return. There are many scriptures like that. But the core of it is this. We are waiting. What are we waiting for? That great day when Jesus returns. Now, there's an element of truth in it, but here's the problem. If that's your perspective, you'll just be waiting. And here's what you'll not only be waiting, you'll be waiting for God to whip you out, and you'll be waiting for the world to be burnt up and judged. You will be irrelevant to changing the culture. So you can't fulfill your destiny, which is in the earth, if you actually reject the people of the earth and the people in the world. We can't do that if we see them as sinners and we see them as God's judgment on them, God's going to burn them, and, you know, then there's something happens with some prophetic declaration, the judgment of God. Well, I wonder what God do you serve? It's more your own judgmental heart that's coming up with that kind of stuff. Here's another thing, and I'll just share this one carefully because I've been a part of it for so long. 
Another one is a, what I call a revival mentality. And here's what we do. Now, there's many things about the Lord pouring out His Spirit. And we see Toronto. We see a whole range of places around the world. And here's what comes up. Here's what you end up doing. Our great hope and what we are waiting for is one day God will move. What a great day that will be when God moves. So what will we do? Well, we'll pray. We'll wait and we'll pray. And we'll pursue God. What about the world? Well, when revival comes, the, well, lots of things will happen then. But our hope is revival coming. Now listen, all of these perspectives have an element of truth in them. But here's God's perspective. Jesus' message was, the kingdom is here now. The kingdom of God is within you. It is here now, waiting to break out into the earth through men and women who have discovered their desires, discovered their passions, discovered their giftings, discovered what's in them, and aligned themselves with heaven to enjoy the journey of advancing the kingdom and representing our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and enjoying the journey. Now, any time you come up against one of these hurdles and don't leap the hurdle successfully, I'm afraid you will find yourself on your face a bit flat and wondering why you're making no progress. It's hard to progress on your face. Better jump the hurdle. Here they are again. Jump the hurdle. Take full responsibility for your life. Start to plan and set goals. Start to work hard and apply yourself to grow, develop, to, to, to be a better person. Persevere. Don't quit when it's hard, tough. People criticize you. People against you. Resolve your issues. Face them. Get them sorted out. Go to a retreat. Read a book. Go to get some help. See, here's, uh, the, develop your core beliefs. Develop a belief system that supports you being fully who you are. See, develop some supportable relationships that will help you get forward. So, the, you know, the lone, the lone Ranger is a weird stranger, I'm afraid. Really? He's probably got a Tonto somewhere around too, an Indian fellow there following him around. But listen, you don't want to be one of those. You want to be a wonderful kingdom person. Now develop your devotion to the Lord. Develop a kingdom mindset. Go and search the scriptures about the kingdom of God and what it means to live in the kingdom, how the kingdom operates, the principles of the kingdom, the values of the kingdom. And when you go out, you're a kingdom ambassador, a kingdom representative, and my, you're walking into your destiny. Why? Because you started to own it and started to walk and live in it. You say amen? amen? Amen. Father, we just honor you today. We thank you for what you're teaching us. We thank you, Lord, that although there are many destiny hurdles to jump, you have said you'd help us every time if we'll just step up in faith. Our stepping in faith means we make some choices and make some decisions. Listen, I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads right now. If there's any person here has never come to know Jesus Christ personally, never given your life to Jesus Christ, I can tell you can't fulfill your full potential separated from the God who made you, who wrote a destiny for you. A great decision today would be a decision to receive Jesus Christ. What is holding you back? What is stopping you? Is it your friends and what they'll think? Listen, they're going to think whatever they think. Your destiny's not in their hands or on what they think. Your destiny's in your own choices. Listen, what's stopping you? Jesus said everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God, even those who believe on his name. Listen today, why don't you make that decision? I'm going to believe and trust my life to Christ. I will give my life to Jesus Christ. Well, you may say, he's gone to church for a long time. Listen, going to church isn't where it's at. It's about a relational connection by faith. 
Are you born again? Has Jesus Christ come into your heart? You put your life in His hands and started that great journey of your destiny with Him. If you haven't, today would be a great day to start. Raise your hands and let me know, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a Christian. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? Why don't you just raise your hand wherever you are. God bless you. See the hand down there. Anyone else? Just raise your hand right now. Anyone else? This is an important decision to make. Put your life in God's hands to trust Him and then walk with Him and discover what you're called to be and do. Anyone else today? Is there any second person? I wonder if there's any today and you realize that, boy, one of those hurdles, you've fallen over big time. And you realize that you're just on your face after that hurdle and you hadn't even realized what you'd stumbled over. You just stumbled. You say, God, I just know I've stumbled. I've kind of of stopped going forward. And now I realize exactly why I've stopped going forward. And I'm just saying today, Lord, I'm just turning to deal with that issue. I'm going to choose to face that issue today. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? One of those many issues I raised. So that's you. Well, that's fantastic. whole number of people. Come on, there's others need to raise your hand too. That's right. God bless you. Well, Father, I just pray for each person here that made a choice to respond to you. I ask, Lord, for your grace to come upon their life. I wonder if there's anyone here today when I said that core belief, I'm of no value. Boy, that really hits you and you realize, man, that's in my life. It's really stuck inside me and it's hindering me. I need to address that. If that was you, why don't you raise your hand right now? Just quickly put your a number of people put their hands up. God bless. I'd like those people particularly, plus the man who put his hand up to receive Christ. In a moment, we just stand up together. We want to just pray, believe God wants to help us. He wants to help us. You are of great value. That's a lie. You've just come into agreement. You come into agreement with it through pain. But we could at least stand with you today and look you in the eye and say, you are of great value to God and to me. And we can pray that that lie will break and that God will help you in the coming days to resolve whatever pain is underneath it, release whatever forgiveness is needed, and begin to reform your thinking and that out yourself in that area. Can we just stand together right now? Just a soft worship music. That young man that put his hand up down the back to receive Jesus. Could I pray with you? Would you like to come? Those others that put their hand up, that whole core belief, I'm of no value, you'd like to come forward. We'd love to pray with you today. Please make your way forward right now. Come on. Let's come. Let's come. Let's give them a clap as they come. That young man that put his hand up. God bless you, son. Come on, let's just appreciate as people make that decision right now. Hey, look at this. God bless you, man. God bless you. Amen. God, what's your name? Casey. That's a fantastic name, Casey. Casey wants to give his life to Jesus today. Come on, there's others need to come forward today. That whole issue of that core belief, you just need God to touch you in that area today and to help you. Just acknowledge. You know, the first step is acknowledging it. First step is to acknowledge it. You don't acknowledge it, you can't shift. There's many men would be in that same category. I'm of no value. My life doesn't count. Nobody really cares about me. And that core belief it can govern all of how your life runs. Unless you deal with it, it's going to be a problem for you. Anyone else? Come on, be more honest than that. Be more honest. All right, then. I want you just to follow me in this prayer. Casey, God loves you. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter where you've come from, I can tell you today He loves you. Church, would you follow me in the simple sinner's prayer? And Casey, I'd like you to listen to the prayer and follow me. It's a prayer to receive Jesus. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for valuing me. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And that he rose again from the dead. Today I turn away from sin. 
I turn to you, the living God. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Please forgive all my sins and failures and give me a fresh start. I receive your Spirit into my heart. I give you my life today. Before heaven and earth, I declare, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord and my friend forever. Amen. Let's give Casey a great clap, shall we? God bless you, son. God bless you, man. Awesome. That's fantastic. God loves you.